Inside, live from the Kings County Distillery Studios in New York City, it's the Hospitality Hangout Podcast with the restaurant guy and the finance guy. We've got our whiskey on the rocks ready. It's 5 o'clock somewhere, and I encourage you to share a pour with us at home. Jimmy, let's take it home because we got a great show today. Absolutely, and I will uh, I will say it's a little early on our side, so I'm going to use I'm going to mix my Kings County with my uh, favorite non-out beverage. I won't say the name, but uh, I'm signaling. I'm, Thank you, I'm doing my, I get to yeah, I'm it. doing my unsweetened pure leaf, Jimbo. I'm loving it. You know, who owns, iced tea. Who owns, un, who, who owns pure leaf? This is a Pepsi product, Jimmy. I love it. You know I love iced tea. You know. Complete, com, complete coincidence. How did that happen? All right, listen. I want to welcome you more formally uh, to the Hospitality Hangout, a hospitality-focused podcast where the founders at Branded Hospitality Ventures share their insights and bring technology and innovation leaders that are making things happen in the industry we love. My name is Jimmy Frischling, otherwise known as the finance guy. I'd like to introduce my partner, Mr. Michael Schatzberg, also known as the restaurant guy. And thanks for that kind introduction, Jimmy. Fellas listening, feel free to call me Shatsy. And together, we are the personalities behind branded strategic hospitality. We work at the intersection of hospitality Technology, Innovation, Capital, and QSR. And, Jimmy, we've got a great show, great show. We've got a really great show. i got to tell you, Jimmy, I am super excited because, you know what, we are going to be traveling a lot, and I am super excited about the next next trade show we're going to. It's FS Tech, one of our favorites in the Big D. Jimmy, nobody likes the Big D more than you. You love Dallas. I love Dallas, Mr. Mark Cuban. I can't wait to see you again. And by again, I mean, hopefully for the first time, call me. But, uh, but no, we do love Dallas. This is our third year, Shatsy, in a row of leading um, Innovation FL Alley. Sex in Innovation Alley. Three's a charm. Third year. And I got to I, I drop my pen. And I got to tell you something. We are super excited because Innovation Alley, we brought in 20 of the coolest most innovative companies doing, making things happen in the uh, food service and hospitality space. And of course, uh, I have to mention that we are FS Tech Innovation Alley, not is it just the branded sponsorship, but our partners at Cargill Middleby and, uh, and Jimmy, and who's our last sponsor there? Nestle. A, a very, a very small, small company, company called Nestle. Of named Nestle. So we've got yeah, the largest know, equipment we, manufacturer, the yeah. largest food company, and the largest, uh, Cargill is like just the largest privately held company in America. I think they do $170 billion. Jimmy, that's with a B. They touch over 70% of every thing that we eat in this country and I'm told that number is conservative but I love the I love the mixing of 20 emerging tech and innovation companies for the industry with three of the largest juggernauts corporates that are committed to this industry. It's a great barbell, and I love that Brandon gets to sit in the middle of it. So super fun. Uh, FS Tech, uh, September. I why think, I forget the date? I feel like it's like the 15th-ish. I got my flights booked at my hotel, Jimmy, so I know I'll be there. Right. But listen, just mark your calendars. If you're not going to be anywhere from like the 8th to the 15th, go to Dallas, and I think you'll – I think if you just check into the Anatole, you'll, you'll get the show. You'll get it. Super, super excited. And by the way, the first time I think officially we're at a conference with our friends from Winsight and our friends now from Informa, now that they've come together mm -hmm. and have created a, you know, Informa acquired Winsight. So this is the first FS Tech under, let's say, the new uh, coming together of Informa Winsight. Super excited. All right. Listen, we got a how very many times, exciting How many episode. times did you say excited just now? 
I, I think I'm pretty excited to think that I might have you said are. it four or five times. Well, let's get really I, excited about our guest because he's a really exciting guest. All right, I'll stop saying excited. But we are truly fortunate and blessed. Joining us today is our friend, Mr. Kep Sweeney, CEO of PDQ Restaurants. This is going to be a good one. And by the way, I, I, think, I think most people know, but for those who don't, that PDQ is people dedicated to quality. And we're going to let Kep uh, introduce himself and get us started. But before we do, since our podcast come out on Tuesdays, and I promise, Kep, this is the last thing we'll do before we engage you in, uh, in the episode, we have to do our Trivia Tuesdays. For our long-term listeners, you know what this is about. Shatsy's an awesome player at this game. It's two truths and a not, and a not truth, also known as a lie. <laughs> Shatsy's having fun with the, uh, the background music. So for those of you who don't know how this game works, I'm going to list three facts about our friend Kep. Two are true, one is false. Here we go. Jazzy, why don't you kill the music while I do the three facts? Jimmy, nobody wants to hear you talk. Everybody likes the music. They love the music. I got to get the three facts. All right, fact one. Kep wrote a screenplay with Julian Shepard called The Chef, The Banker, and The Mob. I could see that. Fact two. Kep looks like a good writer. Fact two. Fact two. Kep's first company was a catering uh, company at the age of 17 that he ran with a business partner business partner who he still partners with today in other business ventures. Kep smiled when you said that, so that could be true. Fact three. Kep was offered an apprentice academy a contract at the age of 17 with a Premier League team in England. So let's be really quick now. He's been, Fact he's, one. He's been busy at 17 years old. Kep's been doing more things than most people in a lifetime. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Kep, Fact one. Kep wrote a screenplay with Julian Shepard called The Chef, at, The Banker, at, and The Mob. By the way, he was 17 when he wrote that screenplay. <laughs> <laughs> it does not say that. It was a good uh, year. It was a good year. It was a very, it was a very good year. As Sinatra said. Company was, a, was a catering company, and he's 17, still, still partners with that uh, business partner back then till, to this day. In fact, three, Kepp was offered an apprentice academy contract with the Premier League in England at age 17. All right, Shatsy, you know, you're very good at this game. We were watching Kep. I didn't see a lot of tells. He was genuinely happy as those facts were being relayed. So remember, stick around to the end of the episode to find out which of these were true and which one was less than true, also known as a lie. Kep, <laughs> after that long banter, after that little banter, we're going to let you now come on in. We won't leave you out again. Please give us a little background about yourself, of course, about PDQ, and thank you, my friend, for joining us on the Hospitality Hangout. Thank you for having me, guys. This is uh, a lot of fun. I'm on with the two most likable guys in the uh, restaurant meets technology business. Thanks for that. I get it. I get it. I get it. We, we're working hard. Yeah. Yeah. Working hard and having some fun. So, Kip, tell us, give us a little background about yourself. And, of course, you got to introduce our, our listeners. Uh, we know PDQ. We've got a big love for PDQ. But please introduce PDQ to our listeners because this is a company. You're, you're a, a, a brand we want our listeners to know. You know, I think it's a brand that, that, that people um, should know and people are going to know more and more. We have a, a tremendous presence in Florida. We have a uh, we're up in New York. We're in Long Island. We have a few restaurants that do very well in Long Island. It's it, it's an interesting concept in that we're doing things that are non QSR, but we're still doing them in 55, 45 seconds out that second window. 
So a lot of work goes into it, um, into this product, and we have a food ethos. We have a culinary ethos in this company, and it's, you know, it, it was devised in, um, by our two founders, Bob Basham and Nick Reeder. Bob Basham's the former, uh, he's the co-founder of Outback Steakhouse, and my claim to fame is Bob and I share a wall. So when I want to brag, um, that's a that's, that's a, a that's a that's a walking wall right there. I gotta be yeah. honest with you. Yeah. By the that's way, wall I share. Jack and I share a wall. We share Not a wall. But I gotta tell you, is better too. looking, and and it's just painted. Yeah. I don't think ours is painted. Yeah. It is a better looking wall. Yeah. Well, well, listen. I mean, that was a short introduction. Jimmy's introductions, I'm used to out of 45 to an hour. So your introduction was really, really short, which I like because it gives us more time to really take a deep dive into it. But um, I was originally going to ask you about your journey analyzing numbers on Wall Street, which Jimmy can appreciate because he's an ex uh, an ex Wall Street kind of guy. And and you're and from Wall Street, you're doing you're doing Wall Street. Then you're running and then you're running restaurants on <laughs> on on Main Street now. But but but. The question is, is breaking news here, right? The question is turning to breaking news uh, because just last week it was announced that you have been promoted. And I even, I think I even sent a little, uh, a little congratulations, congratulations to you. You have been promoted to the CEO position. You were not CEO. Uh, I, I forgot your title before, but it was something um, less than cool. Uh, you know, CEO is cooler. You were like president. He was he was chief he was chief of getting done. He was chief of right. So, getting it done. So president, you so is it now? You're the CEO, so you don't really have a lot to do now. Is that what goes on? <laughs> or you're not as busy? No, I'm actually busier. But um, it's um, I joined PDQ. Uh, Nick Reader and I were introduced by uh, a friend and. Uh, we hit it off and Nick asked if I'd be the president of the company. We worked together for years. What, this is working at PDQ with Nick and Bob is one of my true joys and probably the best work experience I've had in my life. But let me ask you, going that, back to the Wall Street, I mean, just give me a little bit about the Wall Street okay. days and how did you get into the PDQ? That's what I think our, our fans really want to know. How did Kep I love, start? By the way, Shati, I love that you just asked Kep before. I like the way you phrased it better this time. Earlier, you said you were doing Wall Street. I, I found that to be a wonderful way that, of describing that, that dirty? Wall Street. You, you, no, it wasn't dirty, but like you're, you, you're doing Wall Street. You do Wall yeah, Street. Yeah, you're doing I, that Wall Street you, thing. You're like a finance guy. Thing. Yeah, you know, you're yeah. buying low, yeah. you're selling high. Yeah, so tell yeah. us, what was, your, yeah. what was your Wall Street experience like? <laughs> I, okay, I'm going to start uh, just a little before that. 1980, bring it to 1980. <laughs> oh, I started off in restaurants, right? Okay. And I worked for Jeremiah Tower, Bob Kincaid. I, I, I got an award from Julia Child. I ended up going to MBA school, and then I was hired by uh, Solomon Brothers, and I got to be a restaurant analyst at Solomon Brothers. So during that process, I knew independent restaurants, and I started learning more about uh, multi-unit restaurants. And I wrote the book, The New Restaurant Entrepreneur, that what would happen if you combine those two worlds, that there's no reason that you can't have greater efficiency in independent restaurants, and there's no reason you can't have greater creativity in uh, multi-unit restaurants. And I then I went from there. I did, I've done a lot of restaurant consulting, a lot of uh, workouts, turnarounds, those types of things process improvement for restaurant companies. And then I ended up uh, 
I ended up at PDQ. I love it. As part of that. I mean, Solomon yeah. Brothers, that's old school, man. Those are like the big guys, right? Jimmy, tell me, right? I, I love that there is there is a generation of uh, of people that uh, – They'll never know that they one. Don't, they don't know a number of the original firms. They don't know the first Boston. Because then I, I, I remember was, Solomon Smith Barney. Well, then that, that was – before it was Solomon was Inc. After. Solomon Inc. and yeah. no period after the Inc. And the reason why there was no period after the Inc. was because Solomon, respectfully, and they were a, an elite firm, felt that they are the they are the Inc. You don't need a period after the Everyone else is kind of an imitation, but a myriad of firms that no longer exist in this in this new environment. But I digress going down my Wall Street days. Listen, I was recently kept having a discussion with my colleagues about the big brands. And it were, you know, it, it, no one should, it shouldn't be lost in anybody that McDonald's, before they were on every street corner in America, um, the brothers Maurice and Richard McDonald started their first McDonald's restaurant in 1948 by converting their drive through barbecue restaurant into a burger and milkshake joint, burgers and shakes, okay? At PDQ, you guys are now up to, I believe, 62 locations and counting and growing. But PDQ also started as a single location. I guess anything has to start yeah, with one Yeah, it's got to start with one, Jimmy. You can't, yeah. you can't right, like, but, yeah. Right. But it was actually called a restaurant called Tenders. And then, as you mentioned, your partners, you, you know, you have this founding story of how Nick Reeder and Bob Basham, you, you introduced both of them, started PDQ, uh, which I believe started with Nick looking for healthier food options for his kids. I, I mean, that's the genesis that we know. Um, can you expound upon that? Because, um, again, I love – if this was the pivot back then, I love the – you know, how – how loyal you guys or committed you guys have been, again, as your name suggests, to the quality, dedicated to quality and healthier options and food. Nick, Nick and Bob were partners or are partners, and they were looking for restaurant opportunities. And Nick saw that there was an opportunity in QSR. He's got three kids that are athletes, and he's driving his kids, multiple kids around to games. And he was finding that uh, that it was a it was less than a desirable experience going in and out of these qsr restaurants so they found tenders then they turned tenders that core product at tenders in north carolina which we still own to uh pdq and that created the pdq brand but it was based on that culinary dna and ethos when you're double buttermilking double breading hand breading tenders and that's what we do I love it. Is 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 the original tender still tenders, or did you change the name? Did you bring? No, it's no, it's it's still tenders. Just a, so you got a yeah. single unit tenders hanging out. Yeah, it's our only one without a drive-through. I love it. I love it. Well, the, it the OG. Yeah, no, it's OG. I, you know, keep it on topic about you know locations. What's the future expansion for you guys? You got sixty some odd stores, and I know that. Um, you're having some success, uh, you know, stadiums, I think, uh, is, is a great opportunity. I remember younger when we used to go to stadiums and I always asked, I always was wondering why there wouldn't be like, you know, a McDonald's in the stadium because I'd much rather have McDonald's than some of the food that they were serving. So you guys are going into stadiums. What are your thoughts and strategy around? So I want to know about more about your locations and then. What are your thoughts and strategy around um, the corporate model versus franchise versus partnerships? And uh, talk a little bit about that, where, where you guys are going and how you're going to grow. It's the corporate model, and franchising is, is an animal of its own. It's managing franchisees. It's a great business, but it's not something that we're in, and it's not something that we're today good mm -hmm. at. 
What we are good at is um, developing operators. And what we try to do, look at the two of you. You guys are the restaurant guy and the finance guy. So it's like what we try to do is we try to combine operators with quantitatives. We provide, we, what we want to do a perfect day at PDQ is when we have the kind of operator that can walk out showing the greatest looking zucchini that they've ever seen. We want that type of passion, people with pride, energy, extroversion, empathy, that can run these units and we want to pay them more than anybody and we want to support them, but we want to support them with guys that are running out of the office with better labor models. Yeah, it makes it makes a lot of sense. I got to tell you, you know, like, and I think to you to your point, I think franchising is a whole other animal. I mean, that's a lot of people come to to me and they're like, should I franchise or should I stay corporate? I'm like, look, it, it's a totally different business. So, it, it, and like you said, it's a great business, a great business model, but it's a very different business. No, I, look, I appreciate. I um, and um, we're going to talk about this with Andy Hooper in a moment, but I appreciate Kep what you're talking about in terms of marrying. Um, a number of skill sets and areas of expertise. Um, I cut my teeth in the industry. Oh, sorry, go ahead, go ahead, Kev. No, I just, we've done that everywhere where we always yep. have a, a, an operator and a quantitative. We work in agile management. So we basically, at, at, at this company, we've traded our titles for teams and our jobs for projects. So you may have be a specialist like in supply chain. Mm -hmm but you're gonna work with an operator and you probably have a quantitative on that team. And we're, we're looking at a certain project, there's something we're addressing, we start with the thesis and we see if it works, we'll test it. Brought all the Sol I, that's all the Solomon right. Brothers knowledge, Jimmy. He brought all of that knowledge yeah. to restaurants. No, look, I, as I was gonna say, I cut my teeth um, on, the, on the front of the house, busboy, barback, waiter, and then bartender. But at a time when I was in the industry, I didn't see a career path for myself. And I felt that a lot of operators were going with gut instincts and very prideful of their culinary skills um, and their creative skills. But there was almost divorced from, let's say, a lot of quantitative data-driven um, skill sets. And, and, and PDQ, you guys have embraced this since your founding. You've understood the criticality of the diversity and the leadership. And to a certain extent, Chet, maybe we're just imitating Kep and, and, and Nick and, and Bob. Of course, like, Jimmy. Take a restaurant guy Why would you tell guy. Kep that we were doing that? Maybe we just, maybe we owe Kep a royalty or something. I don't even know. But anyway, listen. Um, At least I a hat, Jimmy. Hooper. Certainly a hat. We got to get a hat. Listen, I, I mentioned Andy Hooper. Um, you know, we, we, I want to talk about, you know, your future locations. Um, and I hope, I hope one of your future locations is in New York City. Uh, Andy Hooper, we had a few weeks ago and we, we love talking about mottos. Um, I have an affinity for the phrase, it takes a village. It's very personal to me. It means something to me. Uh, but that's my kind of motto or ism in that I believe, um, like raising a child, which takes a village, this is where the statement came from in my life. Um, to start a company, to build a company, to foster success uh, of a company, it takes a village. Um, you know, founding, founding, finding out other people's isms has become one of my, you know, new favorite things. I understand one of your isms, which is now becoming one of my favorites with attribution to you, sir, is to meet the guests where they're at, to meet the guests where they're at. I love it. Can you please, for the audience, share a little bit more about how it relates to PDQ strategy and overall your guest engagement? I, there's two applications to that ism, as you put it, that, that there's one is meeting the guests, the diversity of guests that we have in a restaurant. For instance, you have four 17-year-olds 
at one table. You have a retired couple at another table. You have a family uh, four with their soccer team there at, at another few tables. So how do we meet them and their needs, each one of their needs? And you do that, you do that a lot by, by with empathy and with noticing and trying to make sure that each one of the experiences where you're looking at one guest at a time, not guests, but we're, we're addressing one guest and one guest experience every time. And that's what we're trying to do. So the other is meeting the guests where they are um, applies. We use that a lot in terms of real estate. So look at New York City. I think we will do very, very well. And we're having some talks about New York City that we will do very well in Brickell. We can't have a drive through in Brickell down in Miami. Yeah. We do very well in South Florida. Mm -hmm. However, just because you work in a uh, 500 person office building, that doesn't mean that you need to go get in a car, drive, go through a drive through or go into one of our units that may be a half hour away. We're going to meet you where you are. And that's just omni-channel distribution. We have a great product. We're going to go where you are. You don't have to come where we are. I love it. I love it. And keeping on tech, let's keep on topic talking tech. Over the last couple of years, you guys have been focusing on, uh, on your new app, uh, you're doing loyalty. Uh, can you talk a little bit more about, I mean, and you guys have been leaning into data for a long time, longer than most operators. I mean, operators, we, we, we are definitely slow to embrace technology. We probably have, not probably, we have a ton of data that have, most of us have no idea what to do with it, but we got a lot of it. It's cool to say data. And Jimmy says data, and I think I say data, but it's cool. So can you share more about you guys, uh, your guest feedback, um, and, and, and how all this has helped you? grow and what and what's next on the horizon for you guys on the tech side of things like have you guys embraced kiosks a lot uh you talk about like uh the whole uh you know if you're in brickle i mean our our, our pickup pods something you're looking at well okay pickup pods we have looked at and uh we've we've tested uh we may bring them back but right now we're not using mm -hmm. them kiosks kiosks are really interesting because um uh, the COO wanted to put a kiosk in one of our stores to test it. We've got it go. We've got it now in two stores. We're testing. I kept saying I've got a kiosk, and I kept showing him my cell phone. I'm carrying it with me at all times. I sleep next to my kiosk. So I said that. that uh, um, so he goes. He tests it up there, and then we met this morning. I got the or yesterday morning. I got the first numbers, and I stopped him in the middle of the meeting, and I said, I think you're trying to say that I was really, really wrong. It is a material percentage in the first week of sales that are going through. Basket that. size so is bigger, much right? Convenient. Basket size is bigger. It's it's more convenient for the guest, and it may be my age. I I don't know. I just I wasn't getting. It. I think it's fun. I've gone to a. It's fun. It's I fun. Just, Pictures and pushing buttons and it's fun. It, it is. It, it's upselling opportunities, upselling, yeah. but it, it, there. And it's even, it's not so much up, upselling where I appreciate, don't forget. Yeah. Like even when I'm checking out of Amazon, it's like, I do forget the half and half. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Uh, but they, um, it's really working. And so that's something that we are embracing. We have a loyalty program that we've grown to over about a year and a half, 350-ish. So, can I ask you a question though, going back to this? Like you, when you first, when the COO was thinking about doing the kiosk, you were the president. Now, tell me about the chain of command, because now you're the CEO. So is it now you can tell him I'm doing this, and when you're the president, <laughs> couldn't? Or, like, how is that? And is it when you're the president, you know what I mean? Uh, you know, because that's interesting. Who's the boss? Who's the boss now? Is it you or is this well, CEO? 
Well, I'm the CEO, but I was the president before that. And the point is that Nick and I have been partners. And so we are partners. We will forever be partners. And so it is, um, that's kind of how he and I would tag team things that he may be working on this aspect of the business and I'll work on that aspect of the business. I built a lot of infrastructure, rebuilt our tech stack early on, re, uh, worked with uh, um, changing our distribution model, um, things like that. Sticking with data, let's just go right into this. Okay, zucchini fries. Is it true that you have brought back the zucchini fries because you heard so much guest feedback that they want these fries? And it was all about technology and guest feedback, and that's how you made that decision. We had zucchini fries. We had a supply chain problem. We took it off that they were the number one requested item far and away on social media through our loyalty program. And so what we've done is we've uh, we brought them back and they are a material percentage of our sales and they've done very, very well. They're delicious, so by the we, way. And, you know, there's a couple of restaurants here in New York City, like Full Serve Fine Dine that Jimmy and I love to go to. They do some fried zucchini and you put a little lemon on it. I mean, it's unbelievable. And I don't know if it's healthy or not, but I'm going to say it seems like I'm getting my vegetables. <laughs> okay. Well, I tell you what, that's that, that they going back to like the brand ethos that that's double floured buttermilked. So healthy, flour, buttermilk, flour, and then fried. Healthy. But I'm saying that the work that we go to in a QSR restaurant, that's what's amazing to me. Well, it sounds like, I mean, that's why I buttermilk, love flour, fried zucchini, all healthy. Right. Sounds good to me. I love it. Right. And it's a number one seller. Listen, what I it's what I enjoyed, high seller, yes. what I enjoyed high about the, the the banter exchange you guys just had, because uh, Kep, I remember discussing kiosks with you back when we were together at a, uh, uh, at, a, at a at a previous conference, and I know that the engagement with your guests, that your 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 your, your cashiers, your uh, the folks that were engaging with the guests, and and the friendliness and their commitment to bringing joy was so important to you that I could understand why you were reluctant to automate it with a large kiosk as opposed to, as you said, the small ones we have in our pocket. Uh, but I actually love how PD at PDQ, you still tested it and you wanted to see the data and make decisions based on the results. And you've now made that decision. Bringing back zucchini fries was not a gut decision. It was a data-driven guest feedback. And I think that's what so many other companies are somewhat respectfully slower to embrace and adopt is they want to stick with what they know and don't change things, but they're not actually going after the available data information that can help make them better decisions. So I really love what, what you guys have done. And that, that dovetails into, I think most of our listeners, while they, while they might be familiar with PDQ um, as customers, colleagues, and otherwise, um, you may not be aware that PDQ has a test kitchen um, down in Tampa. This test, kitchen, this test kitchen is open five days a week. And that is something else I feel is very unique. Um, I imagine, you know, this is probably the ultimate training and testing ground for real-time feedback for PDQ. So since I really believe that the super vast majority of our listeners don't know about your commitment to innovation, which is, which is, is just magnified by your own test kitchen, can you share a little bit more about it, please? Yeah, we've uh, that, that it's it's a real luxury where I, I've already been in one tasting for two types of mac and cheese at 9 a.m. this morning and then also this Texas toast. We go through a hundred things where maybe one 
might make it to the menu. But we could we could go and say, let's get it on the test kitchen menu. Okay, well, we got some feedback. We're very lucky that uh, Nick Reader and Bob Basham own the building we're in. So we have this. We could go downstairs. Everyone, we get feedback from all the other people that office in this building. And then if that's working, then we pick one unit or we pick one region like Jacksonville. And we'll try something. And we actually have the measurement thought out ahead of time. And we'll uh, we'll see how it works. How much mac and cheese did you have this morning? I had, I'm trying not to have too many carbs. So, uh, <laughs> not Is it just like a spoonful? Much. Like one little, did you have like one little elbow? Because you can't have one no, elbow. What, no, one of them. I had a spoonful. One of them, I had four or five. Because that was oh, so that one was so much more delicious. That was delicious. It was. Right. So is that an, is that going to be a new menu like, item? Is that breaking news? Well, I no, it's it's already on the menu. But I will say that um, I'm trying to. I, I I love the guys out at Nestle. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. I, I I love their their place in Solon, Ohio. They've been very good to me, and uh, we will see each other at the. That's where they have their whole place. test kind of facility. Yeah, it's Solon, Ohio. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, I, haven't, I haven't been. Oh. Jimmy, I got to get over there. We'll see everybody down in Pro, in, in, at Prosper. Uh, right. Yeah, that's awesome. We're all going to be we're all we're all going to be together in Prosper, and I'm looking forward to it. Bring some um, cigars, listen, Jimmy. Um, you know, Perry loves a cigar, and don't bring any of oh, those I cheap forgot. ones, Jimmy. I, I forgot that. I, wow, I I'm so glad you reminded me, Captain Obvious. Yes, I will bring <laughs> my cigars. <laughs> well, uh, wait a second. I'm coming from Tampa. I'm coming from Tampa. I'll bring some cigars. Oh, what do you? I'll bring some think, good I, cigars. I think we. I think we've got. We, I think we've got an outing. We got something. I got it. I got it. I got the. We cigars. got it. Listen, yeah. I want. I'm going to change gears a little bit. Shatsy and I clearly, uh, you know it. Our listeners know it. Uh, my wife and my young daughter, who's running around the house, knows it. We like to talk, but we learned along the way that we also found our guests sometimes like to ask us some questions. So let's kick off talking back. Uh, Kep, we're going to give you the microphone, as we like to say. Nothing is off the table. Kept the microphone is yours. Okay. So I get to ask you guys a few questions. Anything you I like, think he said sir. a few. I think he said one, but I mean, Cap. No, Cap. <laughs> okay. Listen, he's okay. the CEO. I didn't hear a few, Jimmy. I heard a question. I'll give him. Okay. Cap wants a few. I, I've got a few. few. I've got four, you, actually. Go for, ask all four. go for it. Go for it. Go for it. Jimmy loves to talk. How, how did you guys <laughs> meet? Jackie? Oh, well, yeah. I mean, uh, so we have Jimmy and I have a mutual friend and partner uh, in common, uh, Dean Palin. Dean, uh, who is uh, I think he's in uh, the south of France right now at, uh, at his nephew's wedding. But that's here and over there. Yeah. So Dean and Jimmy um, grew up uh, in the city together, I think, eighth grade, Jimmy. Right. Junior high school. I met I met, I met Dino in eighth and grade. I met Dino uh, Boston University. So, uh, so by, uh, Jimmy likes to say by, uh, what is it, uh, Jimmy, by, uh, the- I called it by the community, by, so when I used to go visit, uh, BU and visit Dino, he introduced me to his buddy Shatsy by the community of property. I was friends with Dean, Dean was friends with Shatz. So Shatz and I became friends together as well. So we've known each other. I've known Dean for over four decades and Shatsy, uh, really three and a half decades yeah. that we've known each other. And then and we, and we've been partners, a friend first, and then and now business partners for quite some time as well. Jimmy was always an investor on the restaurant side when he was a finance guy. Yep. Okay. Let me go into um, your business relationship. What is the one thing that, let's say that, 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 that you guys may push back against the other on the most when you're looking at a, a target company? I'll take that one if it's okay, Shatsy. Jimmy, go. 
Okay. I think it's a great question. And I will say when branded um, is operating uh, efficiently and at, and at, our, at our best, um, there's little to no friction in the in the area you you just pointed out. What's unique about our platform, I think, is that the deal selection, the company selection, is done by Shatsy and the team of SMEs or subject matter experts. And that's a critical thing for our whole business. Is we started Branded Hospitality Ventures with the belief that this was an emerging or an alternative asset class that wasn't leveraging subject matter experts. And I, as a finance guy, and I've been in a lot of different markets, we've always leveraged the people that with boots on the ground. And I was watching Shatsy and his willingness and enthusiasm to work and test, uh, beta test young emerging tech companies, because his opinion was how could he know if a company could add value to him and his business without testing it. We had no investment thesis. We had no advisory thesis. It was, is it good for my restaurants? But then Shatsy rang me one time and said, they're, they're now creating tech and trying to shove it down his and other operators' throats without actually engaging with the very operators who are going to use it. So I would say we're at our best when the expert team led by Shatsy does its initial diligence and to get money out of brand, it takes two yeses a yes by the expert team, and then a yes by the investment team, which I run in the finance team. If the expert team doesn't say yes, then it doesn't even come to the investment team for investment. So the friction you ask is when myself or others who feel we know a little something about the business as well, try to influence and fall in love with a story or fall in love with an idea that the operators are telling us that they don't see the initial need for it. And so again, when we're at our best, which I say, thankfully, we're doing almost all the time, we don't have that friction. But there are moments where I've found that I particularly have loved a, a tech company and probably loved it more for the deal and the opportunity and the structure terms. If the founder, the if the, if the founder drinks McAllen and smokes cigars, Jimmy doesn't care. What, Jimmy bread. doesn't care what they do. He's just like, you checked all the boxes I'm looking for. You like McCallan and cigars? Where do I wire the money? That's Jimmy. But that, the, I think the friction, that is where you, I think it's a great question. I gave you a long answer and I apologize, but I think, look, I, I admit sometimes that is where we have friction and we have to remind each other or chat us remind me, um, how do you say it, Chatsy? Stay in your lane. Yeah, just because someone drinks McCallan, Jimmy, doesn't mean they run a good company. There you go. Uh, yeah, okay. Great question, right. Along the same lines, you you invest in a lot of companies, and that that like you try to get, you know, your portfolio. You want the best returns you possibly can uh, for your investors and uh, for your operators. What is the common theme? The most common theme that you're seeing when a company underperforms. What what did you miss during the due diligence, or what did you miss? in the uh that 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 in that operator that's running the company that's a great question great question you want to you want you want to go like in the you want me to take it? yeah uh, no no it's it, it's a great question and um uh i i i think that for us looking at the companies and and to jimmy's point we really do uh, bring them to our we vet and test them in our restaurants if we can if not we'll bring them to other partner operators, but like Jimmy said, we really want to get uh, the operator's opinion um, and, and how it functions. But I would think that the one thing that sometimes it's the, um, 
the ability for the founder to recognize, uh, you know, how important to under to listen and understand the operator and what they're and what they're and what they're suggesting and telling. I think that's really important for us is to find founders. Hey, we love founders that are come from the business, founders that have worked in restaurants, owned restaurants, operated restaurants, like Jimmy's point, he was a bartender. If you come from hospitality and then you're saying that I couldn't, you know, I had to create this solution because there was nothing out there. We love that. So I don't know the exact number, Jimmy, I'm sure you do. How many of the companies we've invested in are, um, the founders are from the restaurant business. But I think that's, that's a key for us. I was going to say, I think over half the companies are led by people that grew up in the industry and a significant remainder of them, if they didn't grow up in it, they secured a resource or they're very open to partnering with those those very operators. I think on the fail point or on the underperformed or the errors were made, I'd say the following. Um, I think the industry operators are among the most JIT people I've come across, and that's just in time. You to, to successfully penetrate and be embraced by the industry and by operators, it needs the, the solution. The technology needs to address a critical, high priority need of the operator because operators do not have time to address problems seven and seventy six. They probably have the time to address problems one through six. And I think when we focused on impactful solutions to real issues, challenges, and opportunities, we've had great success. Therefore, since we're, that's our selection process, where we have found errors, I would say where we've made mis, our modeled, mis, you know, uh, we've made mistakes, which actually I define as when you make the best decision you can with the information you have at the time that you make it, but founders and C-suites that are not flexible because there is no straight line. This, the, the roadmap to success is not, is not linear. And you, so we really rank team as the most important criteria for early stage investing because we know the ability and the willingness to pivot and take constructive feedback from the operators is so critical. And if you look at what just transpired over the last 12 to maybe 18 months, we were in a market for growth at all costs to now profitability. And maybe that change by the investing community was unfair, but that, that doesn't matter. The investing community said, I no, I no longer want growth at all costs. I want to see a roadmap to profitability. And we did have some founders that were reluctant to change the roadmap for fear of giving up growth. When our investors, and at the end of the day, it's not only about the investors, but you do need capital to provide the oxygen for these companies. If the investors en masse are saying, I want to see that roadmap, then you've got to freaking pivot and address that roadmap. And some companies were slow to do it. And that was really an issue of challenges. But fortunately, we have a portfolio, I mean, that is performing incredibly well because of the operator centric nature of it. But I would say the inability to be flexible has been a red flag. And that's really hard to project and, 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 and analyze. Yeah, that's what that's I that's what I was going to say, Kev. I think, you know, I spoke to Jim about this earlier, <laughs> knowing your question. So I kind of prepped him on the answer. Uh, yeah. So I'll take credit for most of that. No, the flexibility is a, that's flexibility. A, that's a great answer. I'm going to use I'm going to use it around here. I I would say that where I've made mistakes is sell in the sales cycle. And I was on with the company the other day that was talking about uh, it was pitching an AI product, and they were wanted to get into Darden. That's a 
what's that, two, three years? Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna 18 say, to I'm 24 gonna, months. Yeah, like, a two-year yeah, project, like, absolutely. But yeah. they thought it was going to be four point. months into it. So um, To your point, one thing that capital cannot solve is sales. The adoption of operators, that is really unique to the product market fit. I think we try to assist in that. I know you help in that, young companies, yeah. but that really comes down. That's when the rubber hits the road. Money can't solve That's why sales. if you keep showing a product to a bunch of operators, they all say I don't care. It's probably because they don't care. <laughs> it's just like Jimmy said, it, maybe it's number 76. Come to me with one yep. through five to solve my problems. Well, and the easiest way to do it is start at the top of the P&L and then yes. work your way down. Yep. I get a lot of great opportunities to save let's say, um, uh, utility costs, I'm not there. Right, it's just not, I mean, it's, I, a, it's I a problem, be, it's just not there yet, care. right. I don't care. It's like, I'm going to work on the things that can move five, 10, $20 million in a hundred percent, yeah, like utilities is definitely, sure, of course, ever, who wouldn't want to save money under utilities? It's just a matter of, do I want to put your time and effort into it right now? You know, all right, listen, we got to go, because Kev, you've got some stores to open, so we've got to move on to the, uh, the greatest segment of all podcasts in the, uh, in the entire world. Uh, that's Isn't a fact. Isn't segment? That's, well, it's one of them. It's one of them. It's the food okay. service <laughs> feud. We are playing the food service feud with Kep Sweeney from PDQ, the CEO, and Jimmy Frischling, the finance guy. Are you guys ready? All right. Well, we asked over 100,000 people on LinkedIn. Uh, every Tuesday, we do a poll, and we asked them, to uh, we're very excited about FS Tech in Dallas. So we took a little page out of us going down to Dallas, and we asked our audience a question. I've got the top four answers on the board. Get your imaginary buzzer. Are you guys ready? Here we go. We asked the audience, which is their favorite Texas-based restaurant? Is it Dickie's Barbecue? Is it Chili's? Is it Hop Dotty Burger or Wingstop? Go. You want me to answer? Yeah, take a go. Go ahead. You can. I'll let Kep go first. Go, go ahead, Kep. I, I, I go to Dickie's. I'm a barbecue guy. Uh, that that is that is not the top answer, Jimmy. You can steal and take the thunder from Kep. Now I got to tell you, we have friends at all of these restaurants, so I felt like you're asking me to uh, to pick uh, my favorite child. No, it's it's, 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 it's not. But, it's not your favorite. It's it's one of the guests say. Me. It's not you. It's the hundred thousand people we asked. It's one of the guests say, so I'm going to go with Wingstop among these four. I've got to tell you, Aunt Jimbo, Jimbo and Kim are both wrong. The, the favorite Texas-based chain restaurant, according to our survey, was none other than Hop Dottie Burger. You go, oh, Hop Dottie, followed by have- Chili's, then Wingstop and Dickie's. They're all great. Wow. So, okay, so Kep and I were at the bottom. I got to tell you, last place. Last place. Yeah. I, I, I was second to last. <laughs> yeah, last place. All right. Yeah, I like Daddy. it. By the way, all great Brit. We love, we love Hop Daddy. Yep, no question. Uh, listen, at the top of the show, remember we we played our game two truths and a lie. Uh, I'm going to quickly go over the three facts. I'm going to put Shatty on the spot. Shatty has an impeccable record. Um, Kep had showed had a great poker face. Gave nothing. Fact one. Kepper a screenplay with Julia Shepard called The Chef, The Banker, and The Mob. Fact two, Kep's first company was a catering company, 817. He's still partnered with that partner. Kep talked a lot about, uh, about Nick Rader. So these, you know, you know, he's a longstanding loyalty guy like you and I, Shazzy. Mm-hmm. And fact three, Kep has offered an apprentice academy contract at age 17 with the Premier League 
in England. Chatsy? Jimbo, go. I got this one. I think I got it nailed. Uh, yeah, Kep has an incredible poker face, by the way. Never, if, if Kep Sweeney asks anybody to play poker, say no. No. Say no, okay? <laughs> the guy is like I, unbelievable. I'm going to tell you right now, he talked about writing. He said he wrote a book. We didn't know about that. We didn't get into it. But he said he wrote a book. So I'm going to say that, you know, yeah, sure, he wrote a screenplay. I, I agree. I, I think the false one here is this whole Premier League thing. It's just, it sounds ridiculous. I don't know anything about this thing here. But no way. It's the Premier League thing. Kept wrote, and I think he is 17 catering. Yeah, yeah, okay, I go with that. The false answer right. is Kep was offered an Apprentice Academy contract at age 17. By the way, Shatsy, I respect your we're gonna we're gonna bring Kep in. I gotta tell you, Kep is very athletic. So at seventeen, I gotta tell you, I would expect he was even more so as we all were. But Kep, Shatsy made his bet. Tell us what tell us which are two truths and a lie. Like always, Shatsy's correct. Oh, I am so good at this game. I gotta say, Jimmy, is there a way we get paid for doing this game? Is that is that a possibility? Yeah, actually no. The prizes? No, no, Does Kep give us something? Uh, no, he definitely no, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. But but Chatsy, maybe we you know maybe we should call um what DraftKings or something like get that. Get some odds on this. Get, yeah, get some wagering going. Maybe we could get a vig on this. I don't know. Kep, very well played. You, you want to tell us a little bit about the the screenplay or the yeah. first company? And when is the movie coming out? No, I I I which it's got to sell. It's um uh, I worked for two years with Jillian Shepard. I met him at the Austin Film Festival. And um, we worked for two years on this. And yeah, it's a great experience. Jillian is the author of uh, The Complete Unknown. It's on Amazon. And he, he teaches full-time at NYU Tisch School of Screenwriting. That's awesome. He's an unbelievable professor. And I, I'm so glad that he worked with me. I will tell you something very funny is I finished the first act. I gave it to him to review. He, uh, he, he was very polite and he read it. And he, he said, I have some comments, but I want an overarching comment that maybe you ought to start again. Have you ever thought about yeah, finance, yeah. Kep? Maybe finance is right yeah. for you. That's yeah. Yeah. Hey, you know, yeah. this is really cool, this whole writing thing, but how about Wall Street? Yeah, yeah exactly. Kep, it's I actually, a, I'm very proud of it. I like it. I like it. Kep, I once told a friend that I had a book in me. Um, and I was sharing the topic, and my buddy, who's a writer, said, "Yeah, why don't you keep it there? Keep it in you." There. <laughs> All right, Shanti, well played. Again, um, Jimbo. Think- yeah, we're going right to the quick fire, Jimmy. We're going right to the quick fire, and then we got to let Kip get out of here. Kip. All right, listen. We got the branded quick fire. Okay, I'm going to ask you five lightning round questions. Okay, don't think too hard. Think oh, just whatever comes to your mind. Are you ready for the branded quick fire PDQ Kip Sweeney edition? Live from Kings County Distillery Studios in New York City. Favorite French fry shape, go. Waffle. Mm. Where do you get more surface area? But any fried potato works for me. <laughs> zucchini, zucchini, zucchini fries. Anything fried. Where are you getting dinner from tonight, Kevin? Um, I'm going to get dinner from Roca, Nick and Bob own a Michelin star restaurant. So um, I'm going to be having dinner there. What's your favorite food city in the world? You know, I, I, I haven't been to Paris in a while. I'd ha- I'd, I probably would say right now it's New York City and second's Miami. Third is Austin. Austin's coming on strong. Where's your favorite place that yeah, is? Great. Favorite place to travel? Nantucket. Okay. If you were to challenge Jimmy or I to a classic thumb war, 
What do you have better odds of beating? I would say I, I, I'm pretty sure I'd lose to both of you, but um, <laughs> I'm I I know where we can we'll um, we will at the Prosper Conference. We'll see over. We'll a cigar. do. We'll do. So, okay, get it. Oh, I know if we get Jimmy a couple McCallum cigar. Yeah, he's all he's all thumbs. Jimmy's all thumbs. Yeah, I'm I think thumbs. everyone I, will be really impressed with us. I agree. There you <laughs> go. I, I I I thought, Jesse, when I read that last question, I thought our producer was feeling sorry for me for the number of layups she gave to you, and I thought she was giving the layup to me because I got to tell you, your ability to either win or, more importantly, even stay focused on a thumb wrestle for more than a nanosecond is very limited. Very limited. I, I agree, Jimmy. I agree with you on that. <laughs> All right, Cap. First of all, we can't wait to see you uh, at, at Prosper uh, in just a couple weeks. You know, a couple weeks. That's going to be awesome. Listen, we want to thank you so much uh, for joining us on the podcast, uh, for sharing your great insights, uh, for all the work you and the and the team at PDQ are doing for this industry that we love very much, and uh, we think you're one of the tech forward uh, companies and thinkers. Um, and your chess kitchen and the way you guys leverage. I'm a little disappointed we clap on his uh, his poo poo in the kiosk. So I I just have to throw that out there. I was wrong. I know. No, I was you wrong. Admit you were wrong, wrong, and I like that. That's yeah. big. That's big. Hey, that's hold that's on. The key. I have I have a wonderful relationship with being wrong. So it's um. I, I that's when I talk about flexibility and we talk about agility. You know, in the world of politics, if you change your mind, they call you a flip flopper. How about the fact? How about the fact that you're afforded new information and 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 you're allowed to recalibrate based on new information that's a, that's the sign of maturity that is the sign of a confident person that you can it's actually a, say thanks for the new information it's like a nav system yep. recalculate it 100 it's like we talk about our founders great. man you gotta be able to pivot recognize wait, maybe this was a mistake and go a different way i got you yep i think it, i think it's great so listen um uh, if you want to get in touch with Kep directly, please email the podcast team at podcast at brandedstrategic.com. We'd be happy to make the introduction. Um, we had a little mishap in season one. We're KG veterans now. We gave out a cell phone number. That was bad. That was a mistake. Okay. We learned. Call, email the podcast team. And to our listeners, we want to thank you so much for tuning in. We know there are literally hundreds of thousands of podcasts out there. And the fact that we're now north of 50,000 downloads every month, we just so well, appreciate Lord, Jimmy. That's 60,000 monthly listeners. 60,000. Well, that's above 50. All right, 60,000 monthly listeners. We appreciate you. Um, so, again, to our friend, Kep Sweeney, uh, again, appreciate you being on the show. Wish you continued success, and we look forward to being on this journey with you one way or the other, but we love what you guys are doing. Shaq, do you want to close this out, sir? Yeah, Jimmy, thank you. Thank you, Kep. I'm going to tell you one thing, two things. Two things I want to tell everybody first. First, on Saturday mornings, we've got a newsletter coming out called the uh, Hospitality Head. Headline. Go check it out. Go to www.hospitalityheadline.com. Uh, sign up for it. It is a fantastic Saturday morning read. Comes about 6 a.m. every Saturday. Uh, Jimmy and, and, and our partner Julia do a, a phenomenal job curating original content, bringing out some interesting news, what's happening in the industry. I highly recommend hospitalityheadline.com. Uh, and the last thing, if you're looking for tech, if you're looking for a kiosk, Go check out Boom.Store, because i got to tell you, Boom.Store has got over 500 of the top technology companies, most innovative companies in the hospitality industry, just waiting for you to check them out. 
and 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 do a demo and check it out because they got it all. Okay, Boom Dot Store, check it out. Kept, thank you. This is Shatsy, Restaurant Guy, signing off. The hospitality uh, hangout. Cheers, everybody. Thank you. Okay. Cheers, Cheers, guys. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.